0: all right folks we're back round two we're going to talk about big 12 today pretty excited hope you enjoyed the big 10 podcast again we're going to continue on with all power fives really looking forward to it have these out before the season we're recording this now on july 19th but definitely all the information you need to know larry how you feeling tonight
1: uh feel good um back from a golf tournament uh we are ready to roll ready to roll BCB, what do you got? Yo, fresh back from the horse track.
2: Just been studying some college football. About to go on a, a bachelor party. Bachelor bachelorette party combined this weekend, actually. So, hitting the road way. first thing in the morning. Going to be off the grid for the weekend. So, we'll see how it goes. Fair enough. All Ooh. right. Well, don't hey.
1: Combine, don't combine your bachelor and bachelorette party ever. <laughs> well, it's too <laughs> late now, buddy.
0: <laughs> 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 it's not mine, but... <laughs> All right. Let's talk some college football. Let's get into it. Let's have a time. All right. Big 12. Uh, Initial thoughts before we hop into each team. Larry, start us off.
1: Uh, so yeah, Big 12 this year, we have 14 teams, uh, most teams ever, and it's only one year. Uh, we have four freshman teams, so four teams that will be in the Big 12 for their first year Cincinnati, BYU, Houston, and UCF. Don't have very high hopes for many of those teams, but we'll get in and uh break some of them down quickly. Uh, UCF is probably the one that's fit well for this year if out of any of them that may have a chance to make some noise. Yes, sir. I do see multiple multiple of those teams will play upset. Uh BYU is a tough place to play. And but Houston and Cincinnati have a lot of turnover, but he, or sorry, Cincinnati has done very well in their last three seasons or so. Oh, and yeah. the other last thought is this is Texas and Oklahoma's Final season before leaving for the SEC. So I guess they're high expectations for both of those teams to perform well in this conference. If they don't perform well in this conference, they're not going to perform well in the SEC. So this is their kind of last year, really last impression before they make the move and play an SEC schedule. Yeah,
0: and that's actually a perfect transition. We'll actually start with our first team that we'll talk about is Texas. I'll kick us off here. Some of the big things I noticed with them right off the bat, returning 15 starters, is Texas back? I think so. The only problem that I see is Ewers versus Manning. I know Manning's kind of sitting in the back seat. Ewers has solidified uh, himself as the starter quarterback. Problem with Texas is I think more than any team in D1 football, the boosters really control the team in a sense. So I have a feeling if Ewers gets a bad start or they get crushed by Bama, you're going to start to hear some rumblings about Manning. Otherwise, they lose uh, Bajan. He was a great running back. They do have C.J. Baxter, number one running back recruit in the country in 2023. And then they have that solid wide receiver core and O-line. They're returning everybody. BCB, what do you think about Texas?
2: Yeah, so coming in here, uh, obviously, they, they return pretty much every single person on offense. So uh, coming into the year, they've got 10 starters back on offense. They added A.D. Mitchell from Georgia, wide receiver. I think that's going to be a huge addition. He showed up in big games for him last year. Uh, this is really Sark's got to do something this year. This is his offense now. He's built it up. Uh, like you said, Quinn Ewers, it's all, gonna, it's all going to, uh, you know, kind of ride on his shoulders here. The, the real question mark here is, does he improve? Like he was a different player post-injury than he was pre-injury last year. Yeah. Kind of had some struggles. You got to remember, he should have just been a true freshman in college last year. He's still a class early uh, from when he left and went to Ohio State that first year. So we'll see. Um, I don't think Arch Manning, I, maybe you'll get some clamoring for Arch Manning uh, from the fan base if Quinn doesn't play well. I don't think Arch is anywhere near ready to play. Uh, at, the, at the, you know, at a power five level. Uh, last year when we did the preview, I mentioned how their offensive line was a question mark and that's why I wasn't as high on them. Ended up uh, coming, coming to fruition there. This year they returned pretty much everybody. Now they've got kids that have been in a, a power five strength program for two or three years. Offensive line's a huge strength for them. The defense last year actually held uh, their opponents to an average of 70 yards per game below their, their uh, game average for the year. So I expect the defense to, to improve, be big again. Uh, the, the one kind of downfall I'm not as big on them for is the way the schedule sets up for them. They do have to play road games at Bama, Baylor, TCU, and Iowa State. Uh, all four of those are pretty tough. I, I don't think it's unfathomable they get two losses out of those four. So we'll see. Uh, I, I, I think they're probably the best team on paper in the Big 12. But how many times have we said that before the season the last few years?
0: True. Larry, is Texas back?
1: Uh, they are, but I they're not as back as uh, they. I mean, they're going to compete for the title, Big Twelve title. They still might not sniff a uh, playoff game. Uh, Bubs was Bubs sounds like a broken record because he said the last thing pro- last year about Quinn Ewers, he was all in, all in. He he loved them. I do agree with the state. I mean, 15 returning starters is crazy. Nine on offense. They have the one of the nation's top offensive line and wide receiver rooms. Yep. The offense is going to be very good. They have six returners on D. And the defense led the nation last year in quarterback pressures. Okay. So they do have to bring – they do have to fill some holes there in the front seven, but I do think Texas is going to be very good. I am so excited for week two at Alabama.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm
1: so excited for that game. Going back and even thinking about they had Alabama on the ropes, and then Quinn Ewers got hurt. Uh-huh. They should have probably still won that game without him. I think Hudson Card came in the game, if I recall right. Yep and they still had Alabama on the ropes the whole game. Alabama's defense is not as good. I am so excited to watch that game, and I will be rooting for Texas to beat Alabama in week two. I know we'll get into that as that week approaches, but I am so excited for that.
2: Yeah. I'll say that, that Alabama-Texas game, that has to be the best non-conference game of the year uh, in college football, so... Oh. Yeah, without a doubt. I think I think people have been looking forward to that game for a year now. So, um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll mention it when we get to the SEC. But I think I think Texas has a huge chance in that game.
0: Let's go. So after Texas, let's go move right on to their rival, uh, Larry. We'll let you kick it off here with OU. So
1: I guess one quick thing on Texas: they haven't won ten regular season games since two thousand nine. Sorry, I forgot to mention that. That's fine. And they haven't won a title. They haven't won a Big 12 title since 2009. So, and their win total is sitting at nine and a half right now. Am I? Do I think they're going to get to ten wins? Yes. Is there any value in taking them over nine and a half wins? No.
0: <laughs>
1: but I, I do think this is probably the best opportunity they have since 2009. Which I believe is the Vince Young, Mac Brown team, or no? That way later than that, um, but that's my last thing on Texas. Moving on, to Oklahoma. Uh, they're on. They had their worst season last year since like their first losing season since like 1998.
0: They were trash. So they had a
1: terrible season. They, they're still. Their highlight is the quarterback Dylan Gabriel. Mm-hmm. He still scares the shit out of me. <laughs> he still doesn't didn't stay healthy last season. So like he's tiny. There's still questions on their offensive line, but he was excellent when he was healthy. They averaged over thirty points per game. They do still have a one two punch at running back. They have to replace Marvin Mims, their best playmaker last year. Yeah. The wide receiver room, big question mark. I don't know how good they're going to be. Their defense was absolutely terrible last year. They also allowed over 30 points on defense last year. It is venerable second year. He hit the transfer portal hard. I'm just not as high on them. I think Texas is a far better team and roster than Oklahoma. I think maybe only name alone, like is Dylan Gabriel that good to carry them on offense and win them games? I don't, I'm not as high on them. I think there's actually better teams than the big 12. There's definitely
0: more valuable value for people. I would never take Oklahoma to win the big 12. Yeah, so right now, Oklahoma, as we speak, is plus 330 to win the Big 12. BCB, what are your thoughts on the Sooners?
2: Yeah, I'm fading Oklahoma, Uh, especially at that number. I'm looking elsewhere. you got to remember there's no divisions this year as well, too, so it's just your top two teams that will be in the conference championship game. I really don't even think they get there, to be honest. Uh, Their chance of even making it, to to add to what Larry said there, kind of hinges on Dylan Gabriel and his ability to stay healthy. I don't know that he can. We'll see. Um, they're wide receivers. They're, they're going to need somebody to emerge. Like you said, they, it doesn't look very good. They've got some names there, um, but uh, they do have uh, Andre L. Anthony transferring in from Michigan. Maybe he can break out and be the guy kind of didn't put it together at Michigan for whatever reason. They did add Austin Stogner at tight end from South Carolina. That's a huge addition for him. One of the best tight ends in the country. Um, like you said, so Venables six and seven last year to start, and they were pretty terrible for most of last year, uh, especially compared to historical standards. If you look, uh, guys that have come in as, as head coaches at major power five programs that have started the way that he has, almost none of them have really turned it around. So right. if, if they don't say they go like eight and four, seven and five, I think his seat's pretty hot heading into the SEC next year. Um, but I am confident that they'll turn it around on defense. He was the defensive mastermind at Clemson yep. uh, for the Dabo run. So I, if nothing else, I expect the defense to be better. I think their schedule is also pretty manageable as well. Uh, there's really no reason they shouldn't start five and O. If you look at it, uh, they got Arkansas state SMU at home. Then they go to Tulsa to Cincinnati and then Iowa state at home again before playing Texas. And what will always be known as the red river shootout to me. Yeah. So uh, I will. Uh, I'll go ahead here. Like I said, the schedule's not terrible. I think they could get to five and zero. I just don't really see them being a conference champion.
0: For sure. Yeah. The only thing I'll add. I mean, you guys hit on most of the points. Thirty points on both sides of the ball last year. The if if I'm going to talk so, at least two positives real quick. Last year they did lose five games just by one score. So that's you know a flip of the coin sometimes. You know making having playmakers losing Marvin Mims is tough. Uh, The only other thing I have is they do return Stutzman. Their middle linebacker had 125 tackles last year. I think he was tops in the big 12, but regardless, you know, with OU, we'll, we'll circle back to see with our championship picks at the end Uh, BCB kick us off with Kansas state though. All
2: right. I know it's early in the season. Uh, We're, we're two, two episodes in, so I don't want to die on this hill, but I'll put the foundation (laughs) here for later. Uh, Kansas State comes in there to the defending conference champ last year and also further proof that expanded playoff is terrible and in its current format is a downright atrocity and has no business the way that it's currently laid out. Jesus at, at nine and fucking four last year, had they had they been in the expanded college playoff, they would have had a buy in a home and a first round like home playoff game. They would have been a top four seed with four losses. That's incredibly stupid uh hopefully they fix that before they get there now with that said they do bring back all five starters on the offensive line and they uh, add a running back here from florida state kid by the last name award average 6.1 yards per carry and they also bring back giddens who was an honorable mention big 12 running back 5.8 yards per carry i love football that involves offensive linemen running backs and tight ends i expect them to have a big year uh their wide receivers are a huge question mark and the secondary is also a question mark on defense. That's not really a great recipe to have in the big 12. Um, so, you know, buyer beware there. Uh, will Howard really stepped up for him last year at quarterback. He was a completely different player than he had been his previous two years at Kansas state. If he continues to improve, I think they will have a real chance to repeat.
0: True. No, I love that. Will Ho- Howard's back for his fourth year. Uh, no more deuce hurts. Kind of like you mentioned there, Returning the entire offensive line with an experienced quarterback, I think that's only going to benefit the team as a whole. One of the wide receivers they did get was Keegan Johnson, a wide receiver from Iowa. Actually not a bad player if we threw the ball last year. But overall, on the defensive side of the ball, solid front seven. But in the Big 12, you know, historically, we think passing the ball, no defense, only one person in the secondary returns. I think that could be a problem for them down the line, especially with these teams that like to air it out. Kansas State, I mean, their their schedule, again, if you look at it, at Texas, at Texas Tech, uh, let's see here. They do have a couple of nice home games end the year at, at um, Kansas with a home game at Iowa State. So schedule isn't terrible. It's not great. But, you know, I, uh, I think they're a solid choice. They're at plus 470 right now. Larry, what do you think? Not a whole lot
1: more to add. I mean, Will Howard was awesome. Threw for over 1,600 yards and 15 touchdowns in seven games last year. Returning the full line, full o line is fantastic. The questions in the wide receiver room is tough, but I'm sure they'll figure that out. And then we, nothing, yeah, I mean, their front seven should be really good. They have one of the best linebackers in the conference. Uh, Daniel Green is 6'3", 245. And then they have some studs on the D line. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I, they're going to compete again, and I, I do like Will Howard a lot. Not much else. I mean, rebuilding the secondary is going to be very important for Big 12 play because it's going to be fast, and teams yeah. are going to throw the ball frequently. Yeah,
2: what, one thing I'll add, to last time we saw them play, um, they were getting absolutely torched by what was left of Alabama's roster and uh they were getting absolutely lit up and that's a team that people thought should have had a buy in a home playoff game just just to leave that out there
0: just so the listeners know the tub club the majority is in support of a 12 team playoff we'll we'll just call it that it's going to be better for college football but we'll get into that later as we get to our, our big preview picks moving right along though next team texas tech one of my favorite teams this year uh, they had the second-best offense in the Big 12 last year, 461 yards per game. They returned 14 starters. I think college experience is so so key when it comes down to these uh, Power 5 teams. Interesting stat, they had the most fourth-down attempts in the FBS last year at 52. Uh, they also did lead the league in uh, the Big 12 uh, is in sacks, ninth-best red zone defense in the FBS. So Texas Tech from, again – If you think of them as a stereotype, it's pass the ball, no defense. They actually were able to put some pressure on the the quarterback last year. They do lose Tyree Wilson in the first round. So that's going to be a big loss in the front seven. Last thing I'll end on, they have a a second year head coach, Joey McGuire. They ended the year on a four game win streak. They have the experience. You know, I, I, I think this team can make some waves as it comes this year. Larry, what do you think about Texas Tech?
1: Uh, I also love Texas Tech, which makes me rethink about um, my thought because Bubs loves them. <laughs> eight eight returners on offense, six on defense. Love the quarterback, Stout. I mean, second second best in the Big Twelve last year. They threw, they averaged four hundred and sixty one yards per game, and thirty four points per game they need it they need consistent line play this year so hopefully bcb has some insight on they have a good o line i don't have any that's that's kind of where they struggled last year uh, what excites i love texas tech so they use all four downs last year they had the most fourth down attempts in college football with 52 attempts and they converted on 33 out of 52 of those attempts which is like a 635% conversion rate. They also on the defensive side, they led the Big 12 in sacks and like Bub said, they were with they had 31 sacks last year and they were the ninth best in all of college football in the red zone and they're returning six six starters and i uh, yeah i really like the red raiders um love love using fourth down especially in the big 12 especially if you're going to convert and i they yeah i love them bcb
0: does texas tech have a shot at plus 1200
2: yeah so actually i saw the number like plus 1800 at one point i was going to jump all over that so this is my value pick here Um, I, i love texas tech as well so you're looking like 11 starters back on offense, including the entire offensive line. I know Larry had thrown that out there. Um, they have 142 career starts on the offensive line. So they're, they're pretty solid. I know Joey McGuire uh, thinks that they're going to have a, a really solid offensive line this year. I think that's going to be huge for them. They actually have two quarterbacks that started multiple games for him last year that are back. Uh, Tyler Shug, uh, who came in from Oregon, was injured a little bit earlier in the season. Uh, comes back in. He played the last four games for him last year. They went 4-0 in those games. So he comes in to start. They return 8-9 at, at the wide receiver position. And then they went and actually got this kid uh, named DeAndre McCray from Austin P, who's a speedster, uh, who I think is going to add a different dimension to that offense. So I think they're really built for success on offense. Uh, like you said, so they lose Tyree Wilson. They do replace him with a kid named Miles Cole, who transfers in from Louisiana Monroe. Uh, He's listed at 6'6", 285, so kind of the same frame. (laughs) Yeah, kind of the same frame. Uh, And apparently Joey McGuire's been raving about the kid uh, during spring ball. So they're less experienced on defensive line. They think they might be better, though. Same with the linebackers. I think they're less experienced, but they think they're more athletic at the linebacker position. And then the secondary is really the strength of their defense. So um, they bring back all four starters in the secondary, and then they added a transfer in from Fresno State. So they they love their defense, even though they only have six starters back, they're going to be really experienced. I thought, too, looking at it from a scheduling standpoint, they have an interesting schedule. So they actually start the season at Wyoming. So week one, they're going to play in Laramie, playing at Wyoming. Week two, they come home and they play Oregon at home. So uh, very, very interesting start to the season there. After that, though, I think the conference schedule is pretty manageable. Uh, they do have to go to Baylor. And then, honestly, they, it comes down to it, the last game of the season, uh, they go to Texas on a, on Black Friday, Friday night in November. I think that's going to be a big game. I think the winner of that game may be going to the conference championship or it might be setting up a rematch for the conference championship. So
0: Larry, tell me about the national championship runner-up, TCU Horn Frogs. know you're a big uh, Iowa native, but keep going.
1: They only have 11 starters back, three on offense, eight on defense. The defense was terrible last year. They were ranked 95th in college football in total defense. I do like Sony Dykes a lot. I think last year was a crazy Cinderella. They have to replace their quarterback, Max Duggan, their top two leading rushers at running back and their top three receivers, and a couple key offensive linemen. This They will not re- be repeating the Cinderella story. I do not think they're going to be very good.
0: Yeah, BCB, what do you think?
2: Yeah, so, all right, I already kind of subliminally shit on the college <laughs> football playoff expansion. So I'm going to say something nice about it now and just even it out. So we're back to even karma for, you know, preseason. Let, let's be on good ground here. Keep an open mind. Okay. The, the thing that's going to be a beauty about college playoff expansion is we're never going to have to see a team like fucking TCU in the national title <laughs> game game because they will have gotten shit kicked before they ever get the opportunity to get shit kicked on a national stage. Uh, you know, I will say this. I'm happy. I got, 13 i was able to lay 13 with georgia because that was fucking stealing so (laughs) that team was absolutely outclassed last year they lose max duggan uh you can make the argument he's well for whatever reason it kind of worked he wasn't the most physically talented kid uh but there was something about him that kind of made it go they actually replaced him with chandler morris who won the job last year in spring camp so he was their week one starter last year week one starter again this year um, they think their offensive tackles are really good. The interior lines, a huge question mark. That's not great. Uh, they, they had to go in and and uh, replace Quentin Johnson, a wide receiver who really kind of won him that game against Michigan. They're using uh, two kids here, Jojo Earl and John Paul Richardson from Oklahoma state. A couple guys that kind of underachieved a little bit so far. Uh, so one of those will have to step up. They've got seven starters back on defense, but Their defensive line, it looks to be a weakness. Again, not great. Uh, (laughs) Most of the teams we've mentioned so far are very strong on the offensive line. I actually thought the schedule was favorable. They dodge Oklahoma and they get Texas and Baylor at home. Uh, But, I mean, I don't know. I would say probably six, seven wins. Uh, They also play Colorado week one. So that's going to be a pretty solid out-of-conference game. You get Coach Prime versus TCU week one.
0: Yeah, no, I was just gonna say that, you know, I could almost see, you know, outside of Colorado, they could almost start six, seven, and oh just to start the season. Yeah. They could have the hype train, and then that's when you hammer against them. Just bet on Kansas State, bet on Texas. Yeah, they, that end of the stretch there is brutal for them.
2: How how hilarious would it be if they start six, seven, and oh and then they have to go to Kansas State on October 21st and they just get run out of the building. Shit stopped. Yep. <laughs>
0: I mean, it's, it could happen. I'll put a marker on my calendar for that game. The only thing extra I have to add is they did get a little help in the portal, kind of like BCB mentioned, but more on the running side, they did get Trey Sanders from Bama, five-star running back. But they do lose their old coordinator, uh, Garrett Riley. So I think the offense was a big help to them last year. You know, they definitely had the playmakers around to make the plays for Garrett Riley. But, you know, new offense, how's it going to play out? end of the season schedule, it's going to be tough all around. But BCB, I saved this one for you to lead us off. Um, I definitely have my thoughts, but Baylor Bears, you've mentioned them a couple times. Uh, Do you think we got a shot this year? They are sitting at plus 2,000. Obviously, odds change, but that's what I had when I pulled this.
2: Yeah, so I don't hate it. Uh, One thing I'll add to, TCU probably had one of the biggest coordinator changes um, in terms of who left and who came in on offense for TCU. Like you said, Garrett Riley out, but they went and got Kendall Bryles from Arkansas. So yep. if, you look at, if you look at quarterbacks' um, numbers before and after Kendall Bryles, I think he could probably kind of help that transition with Max Duggan, maybe more steps up there. That was exactly. worth mentioning. All right. Um, yeah, we'll exercise some demons from last year. <laughs> um, when we, we had to contact sportsbooks to get Blake Shapen put up as a Heisman contender, we thought we were sharper than everyone else. Week one kind of looked like it when he was torching Albany. After yeah. that, it went a little bit downhill. Uh, so Baylor, Baylor at one point, for all their flaws, they were six and three at one point last year, ended up six and seven, lost their last four games. Shapen gets another shot here. So he's going to be the starter again. They said he's they said he's shown more confidence and uh, more leadership in spring ball. So they've liked what they've seen from him. I'm not getting back on the Heisman train with him this year. Uh, he was still for, for as bad as he struggled last year, he was still an honorable mention, all, all big 12 quarterback. So yeah. um, I thought he improved. I thought he had some games really where he played well. Um, I don't think like the beat, if you go back to the BYU game, we kind of talked about it. I don't think they, they put him in a position to be successful. Yeah, uh, they, I, it seemed to me like a lot of times, and I don't want to be the guy that's questioning play calling, like I'm sitting in 80 hours of meetings and, and graphing okay. charts, right, and, and sitting here, uh, you know, going over tendencies, but it seemed like a lot of times they were run first down, run second down, then ask them to make a play on third and eight, and they're punting the ball, and it's like, you yeah, can't yeah. really, I, I don't think you can do that with a young quarterback all the time. Um, Dave Aranda is one of my favorite coaches, very blunt, very honest. He admitted that last year he didn't think he did enough in the portal. So they thought they were kind of a year behind from a roster building standpoint. They fixed that a little bit. They actually went out hit the portal, got kids from Oklahoma state, Arkansas, Miami, BYU, Liberty, North Texas, uh, including a pair of brothers from BYU that are going to be on the offensive line. So uh, I, they're less experienced on the offensive line. They'll probably take a step back. They were really good last year. I still expect them to be solid. Um, they're not, I don't, I'm not as in love with them as I was last year, but I think Dave Verand is a good coach. I think, I could see him being a dark horse for the Big 12. I'm probably not going to bet money on it, though.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, Shapin, I rode the train with you last year, that BYU game. That was the end of my, like, four-game parlay. It cost me two grand. I'll never forget it, but uh, I have seen a few reports in doing my research that there's a slight battle with Sawyer Robertson from Mississippi State, but As you mentioned, I'm sure Blake Shapin gets the job. I see no world where he doesn't start week one. Uh, Kind of just building off what you said, though, complete rebuild on the offensive line. Definitely hit the portal. Grab those brothers. Definitely uh, pick and choose a couple other pieces to, you know, pop in there on the offensive line. That defense is going through a rebuild. But the one thing I think they have going for them this year, they have eight home games this year, which is – I think we talked a little bit about a Big Ten team. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was, but eight home games this year, only going to help them out. So that's all I have for them. Larry, what do you have?
1: Yeah, not much else to add. I mean, they they were excellent in 21, came out of nowhere. They were terrible last year. Love, love shaping. Uh, I'll be surprised if he doesn't play well. They do have questions on the O-line and the secondary. They did hit the transfer portal very hard. So interested to see what type of product they put out there. I am curious if Shapin is there, if they do not do well this year. I yep. could see them transferring somewhere else next year. For sure. I will say this too. So week two, they have a
2: home game, out of conference game. They're playing Utah. So like week two, week two September 9th, you've got to clear out the schedule and that's just a day where you got to get, like, in front of the TV at 11 a.m. somewhere, whether you're home or your bar, pop open some beers and just have a day. Because that's going to be a phenomenal college football day.
0: So, speaking of that, we're going to go to little brother Iowa State who plays Iowa on September 9th. That'll be another awesome game. I'll be in Ames, Iowa for that. That'll be something to look forward to. Just a couple quick points on Iowa State. They lose Xavier Hutchinson, their number one wide receiver, had school records left and right. Uh, Hunter Decker returns. I think he's a sophomore. I think he redshirted his first year. He's either sophomore or junior, but he returns. He definitely had some struggles last year, watched every game they played. So, it, turnovers is the key with Iowa State. If they can keep the ball and not turn the ball over, they're solid on the defensive side of the ball. That's That's not a problem. It's turning the ball over in special teams where they struggle hard. They have a new offensive coordinator, which hopefully will help kind of build that offense back up with the young quarterback, doing the running back by committee. They were last last year in yards per uh, rush in the Big 12. So hopefully, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Deckers can set some sort of pass game to establish a run, you know, just to help balance that offense out. But they do have one of the top secondaries in the FBS. They lost Will McDonald to the Jets in the first round. That'll be tough on the front seven. But I think, again, Big 12, air attack, air raid, passing game, having a top secondary in the BC, uh, the FBS, I think is only going to help you out here. So Larry, uh, your thoughts on Iowa state.
1: I've seen a lot of people that are backing them to be contenders in the big 12. I don't quite understand it. Matt, Matt Campbell probably likes this underdog role. And this is where, where they like to live and play upset. Oh, yep. It's the turnovers were a huge issue. They had 23 last year. Deckers threw 14 interceptions as a sophomore. If they can limit the turnovers, big questions on the offensive line. A lot of turnover in the coaching departments. New offensive coordinator coming coming in. New offensive line coach coming in. Don't have a ton more to add there. I just... I think this is where Iowa State likes to be in this underdog role. And they could succeed and have a lot of success. Um, because that's where Matt Campbell likes to kind of show that you guys forgot
0: about us. Here we are. Yep. No, I think that's a really good point. BCB, what are your thoughts on my alum?
2: Yeah. So I uh I'll say this with Iowa State. Um college football is a game of have and have nots (laughs) and iowa state is a have not right and for the for the most part their results with matt campbell have been that the sum of their parts is greater than the individual parts so maybe hunter deckers takes a step forward i know he was a highly touted recruit right he kind of had some hype on him coming in uh But, I mean, you look at the roster, right, and it's kind of how you see, like, a kid like Brock Purdy who he gets in a situation with the 49ers and excels there when he looked terrible at times at Iowa State. I was talking to someone about the Brock Purdy situation, someone who's a devout Big 12 fan um, and have watched a lot of his games throughout the years. They're like, here's the thing you don't understand with Brock Purdy. Like, he had no horses there at Iowa State. Like, the talent around him, they had Brees Hall, and that was about it, right? And so that's kind of you've got to cater to what you can recruit. That's what Iowa State does. They're usually pretty good on offensive line. They'll get some defenders, but they're not very great at the skill positions. Uh, It looks like their wide receiver one this year might even be a kid from Eastern Kentucky who's transferred in from the last two years. Uh, They were four and eight last year. I would expect a losing season from them again this year. According to Phil Steele, they have the fourth most difficult schedule in college football. Uh, I just don't think they have the talent. I think Matt Campbell is going to be one of those guys that – uh, really could end up being like David Shaw was at Stanford, where you had a lot of good jobs, a lot of interest, where people came to him, and he decided to stay at Iowa State, and he's probably going to end up regretting it later on.
0: No, oh, agreed. Uh, I mean, they definitely start off tough with in-state rivals, you and I, who's an FCS champion, Iowa, moving along. I mean, they got uh, going along. They play Oklahoma and Texas this year, TCU. I mean, yeah, Kansas State at the end of the year, Kansas, so – It'll be tough, uh, but you know what? I'll always root for little brother. Hopefully they do well. Obviously not in week two, but we're going to move right along again. Uh, Larry, kick us off with Kansas. This is another,
1: I think Bub's had two Heisman Heisman futures last year that we came out of the Big 12. Maybe even three because I think he jumped on the shaping train, but I know Jalen Daniels is one of them. Quinn Ewers was definitely another one of these high bubs was very high on last year. I'm actually very excited about Kansas. Mm-hmm. 17 returning starters. I believe it's one of it's the highest in the conference. The big issue is Jalen Daniels has to stay healthy. They do have a Devin Neal returning at running backs, thousand-yard rusher last year returning four starters on the offensive line. And they have two transfers that are going to compete for starting roles. They have a five-star Logan Brown that transferred from Wisconsin, which I looked at and I was like, that's crazy. Yep. Five-star Wisconsin lineman transferring to Kansas. Never heard of that before. Um, it's probably Leopold, the great head coach. Yep. Uh, the defense must improve, though. That's the biggest issue. They allowed 35.6 points per game. They're definitely going to be able to score points, but they have to be able to stop the other team on defense. Sure.
0: BCB Jayhawks, what do you got? Yeah,
1: uh, I have.
2: I have no clue whether or not this team's going to be good this year, but I think they will be fun as long as Jalen Daniels is out there. Like, this is going to be a fun team from week to week. Uh, like you said, he's their star player, right? It all, it's all built around him, Um, and he's kind of the, he's kind of the straw that stirs the drink. Uh, September 9th, they got a fun out of conference game against Illinois, so normally a game that would be a better basketball game than football game, but I think that's going to be a fun one this year. Uh, Honestly, their schedule's not terrible, so before September 30th, they go to Texas on September 30th. But before that, they have home games against Missouri State, Illinois. They go to Nevada. It's not the toughest uh, out-of-conference road game. And they give BYU a home. So, I I wouldn't be surprised if this team goes into their bye in the middle of October, like, seven and, or six and one. Like, I, I think I think they could really be in the thick of it this year as long as Jalen Daniels stays healthy. And I'll kind of tip, tip it a little bit here. I think that they play Texas Tech in November Uh, That could be a game that that has big 12 conference championship implications. I think that's going to be a big football game late in the season. So I'm excited to see what they can do. I'm, I'm high on Lance Leifold. It's one of those things where I think he's got the run at Kansas. Kind of like maybe Matt Campbell was a little early in Iowa state's tenure. So we'll see if he can kind of capitalize on the hype and take a bigger job after this year, or if he kind of stays, stays put um, at Kansas, but. Uh, I think they're going to be a fun team that if you're getting them as an underdog in situations this year, they're going
1: to be a fun money line team.
0: Oh, hundred percent.
1: Yeah. I think I, like BCB said, I, he said it a couple of times now, but this week two is setting up pretty nice that Illinois at Kansas is the Friday night game, which is even fucking awesome. And then you go right into an awesome Saturday. So buckle in. We'll have a lot to talk about week two. I might have to
2: take that Friday off from work just to prepare now. I might be. I love it.
0: Only extra things I have to add is that Jalen Daniels. Yes, he's awesome. Led the nation in QBR last year. That's pretty, pretty impressive that I saw. Uh, They do replace all four on the defensive line. As Larry mentioned, defense will be key. Can they stop folks? They can definitely put up points. And then lastly here, they bring back the most offensive production in the FBS. I love that. I love their offense last year. The way I was able to put up points before Jalen got hurt, the fact that they're bringing back the most production in the FBS only helps add to the hype. I think so. Next. They they oh. also
2: bring back uh, Jason Bean as well too, who was the backup to Jalen Daniels. So this could be a team where you're talking situational football. If, they, if Daniels does miss a game, like mm-hmm. you might get a big number on Kansas. Oh yeah, it's kind of an artificial number because uh, that kid that kid played some pretty solid football for him last year. Uh, oh. so, he still beat Oklahoma State, uh, you know, Oklahoma State was ranked, he beat him last year as a starter, so.
0: 100% agree. BCB, then, we'll actually turn to you, to the UCF, the quarterback you turned me on to. <laughs> uh, let's, let's hear it. What, what are your right. thoughts? So,
2: anyone who listened last year um or saw my tweets you know I was super high on Gus Malzahn and UCF last year. I think it's a 180 form. They went from usually being the team that at least had the best athletes or the most talent on the field in most of their games last year to now their guys are just guys in the big 12. Like when they're matching up against Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Kansas State, Baylor, like the, your dudes are equal now. Um, and unfortunately, I hate to say this because I loved the kid when he was at Ole Miss. He was a great kid. <laughs> like everyone around the program loves him. Uh, John Rice Plumley just isn't. A power five quarterback. It's kind of the reason why he played wide receivers last year at Ole Miss. Um, I'm glad he got a shot last year, but they lost games because he's so deficient as a passer, and they couldn't get anything going offensively. They had the Louisville game that was there for the taking. Uh, I think if reports are accurate, the kid runs possibly a a four three nine, like four four, like he's an incredible athlete. That's why they were playing him as wide receiver his last year at Ole Miss. Like they had to get him on the field, and he had games where he had over 100 yards receiving. He's very dynamic in the rushing game, but there were times when they put Keith in last year, uh, who was the backup quarterback. It was a much better passer and it kind of sparked the offense. They don't have anybody like that behind John Rice this year. So uh, for that reason, I mean, I think they're nice at the skill positions. I don't think they're going to be able to pass the ball well enough. It's a team I was on last year. I'm not on them this year. Um, we'll see. I, I do think they'll start well. I think they'll probably be three and zero because the schedule kind of lends itself to that. And I honestly might back them. Uh, week one against Kent uh, against Kent State because that roster is depleted, yep. but uh, the times are changing for the UCF Knights. I think it's going to be a rough adjustment to the Big 12 for them.
0: For sure, yeah. The only uh, you know pieces I have to add there, they do have a new defensive coordinator with six returning starters. Again, as I've mentioned before, experience is key for me. Big thing I saw in my research is Gus is no longer calling the plays, so yeah, uh, Plumlee might not be able to throw the ball. Will the new play caller be able to help implement his legs more or, you know, give him more short routes to throw? Because obviously we know that deep ball is not there with Plumlee. They do have some solid running backs in the backfield and their defensive line on the flip side of the ball is definitely the strength from what I saw. Um, They brought in a bunch of transfers for the secondary, but, you know, if you can get pressure on the quarterback, I think that's only going to help you. UCF, definitely an interesting team this year, especially with John Reese Plumlee as quarterback. So uh, we'll see, Larry. Final thoughts on UCF?
1: They're supposed to be the are they're the highest ranked team out of the four new 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 freshman teams, incoming teams, um, which will be interesting to see. I did have a question. Hopefully, BCB can answer it. Did Dylan Gabriel play for UCF under Gus Melzone his first year? Uh yeah, so that would have been 2020. So I think
2: or yeah, Malzon's or sorry, Malzahn's first year at UCF was 2021. So Gabriel was all, yeah, Gabriel was there that year. But that's the year he he got his collarbone broke
1: against Louisville in the third week. Yeah, I remember that well. Yeah. And uh so I interested to see UCF at Oklahoma. I wonder if there is bad blood there or if Melzon will go after him. Mm. So the interesting thing with the Gabriel connection was uh,
2: Jeff Levy, who's the offensive coordinator at, uh, at uh, Oklahoma now. He was the offensive coordinator at Ole Miss previously, but he had been the offensive coordinator at UCF and was on the staff there when they recruited Gabriel. So that was kind of the, the connection there. At one point, Gabriel was going to go to uh, Ole Miss until Levy had left to go to Oklahoma. So I don't know that he hates Malzahn. He might just love Jeff Levy.
1: All right. Like the revenge spot, maybe. Yeah. Great. The storyline.
0: So flipping the script from an established head coach uh, to Cincinnati, brand new outlook, not the Cincinnati that we're used to seeing new head coach, Scott Satterfield. They have seven returning starters. One of my favorite things that they got out of the portal was Emery Jones, at quarterback, former Florida and ASU guy, uh, running back solid, but, their top six wide receivers are now gone. New offensive line, Cincinnati prototype. They're always going to be solid on defense for what we see, but I think the schedule is a huge help to them. They avoid Texas and, or yeah, Texas, they get Oklahoma at home, but looking at the schedule, they don't play Kansas state. They don't play Texas tech. So overall, I think the schedule helps them in that aspect. Um, What do you guys any any extra thoughts to add? Oh, I'll start with uh, Larry. Larry, what do you think about the Bearcats? So they've won
1: at least nine games in their last five years, which is very impressive. They are being pushed down a lot since losing Fickle to Wisconsin. Uh, they still, I hate <laughs> hate Emory Jones. Couldn't hate <laughs> a player more than him. He's got to be at least 26 years old by now, and he's probably still throwing three interceptions per game like he was in Florida two years ago. Why, who did he play for last year? Arizona, Arizona State. State. Threw three interceptions against Florida Atlantic early on. Maybe not that many, but it was ugly. I don't – he is not – he's not a savior. He's not going to do well. But I. I – they have depth and they have veteran players elsewhere, and they also have a good program. So, I I mean, I have very low hopes it's going to be rebuild this year. To, I do think they might be closer to the Pac-12, Power 5 level of players than maybe a UCF. But at the same time, it's too much turnover, and I just hate their quarterback. He's terrible. Fair enough. BCB? Yeah, so
2: Scott Fat, Scott Scott Satterfield is kind of the uh, college football example of failing up here. Um, being down and going to Louisville games and talking to their fans and stuff, like it was, uh, people wanted him fired, man. Like people wanted him out of Louisville. And I remember the night before it got announced, so I actually got a DM from someone on Twitter. Uh, not that I'm to that, that realm of where people should be sending me tips, but someone DM'd me and said, Hey, Brian Brahms called it all players meeting at Purdue. And this is the night before Satterfield to Cincinnati's wow. um, been announced. So I thought Satterfield was getting fired. I was like, oh, maybe I thought either Brahms was going to Cincinnati. I was like, maybe that, or maybe Satterfield's fired. Well, then the next morning it gets announced Satterfield got hired by Cincinnati. And it's like, Jesus, they just, they kind of bailed their rival out. Like he was in a, Louisville's in a bad situation with him at head coach. Um, mm-hmm. Look, I think Cincinnati's probably going to get the shit kicked out of them most of the season here, and I'm I'm for it. They had an incredibly annoying fan base. Um, again, part of the expanded playoff is like I'm glad that we'll get to watch this team get bludgeoned if they ever make the the playoff again. Uh, I guess they did okay. They didn't get shut out by Alabama when they made it a couple of years ago. Um, <laughs> not the biggest Emory Jones fan either. I. Just, I would, if you would have allowed me to bet on whether he was going to a P5 school or G5 school, I would have lost a lot of money hammering G5. They do add Xavier Henderson at wide receiver from Florida. They went in, kind of beefed up the skill positions with some transfers. Uh, we'll see if it uh, benefits them at all. The schedule is not incredibly difficult. They get Miami of Ohio and Eastern Kentucky out of conference. September 9th, they go to Pittsburgh. So um, yeah, looking at it, the, they kind of drew an easier away schedule in conference too. So I don't know, maybe they'll win six or seven games. I don't really look at them as a world beater though uh, this year. And I, I'm not optimistic about their, their chances in the the big 12. The fact that once Texas and Oklahoma is out of this conference, by the way, with what's left, those 12 teams, it's no longer power five G five. It's power four and group of six. <laughs> This is basically just like the big east from back in
1: the day without powerhouses.
0: 100 percent agree. I don't agree with that,
1: but it's it there's has to be a mid-tier because they're not there with Mac and Sunbelt. Okay, they're upper <laughs> middle class then, but they're not yeah, there. <laughs> they're like
2: they're like your neighbor who has nice shit, but he's struggling to make the credit card payment every month. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But like, it's, I mean, it's probably still better than the Pac-10 we're about to get. Like they might own a Baja, but it's at like an
2: 8% interest rate and they're driving it with a fucking Escalade that they leased.
0: All right. All right. We're going to kind of scoot through these last four teams. We don't really expect much out of them. Larry, start us off with Oklahoma State. Uh, yeah, this is this is also a struggle
1: here. But Mike Gundy hasn't had a losing record since 2005, which yeah. is crazy. OK State has performed very well. They basically did a, I guess, a trade in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. They sent Spencer Sanders to Ole Miss, and they got Alan Bowman from Michigan. It's probably a lose for them, but I've heard a BCB definitely knows more about the old miss side and it doesn't seem like their starting quarterback will be playing football this year, which is kind of funny. When you enter the transfer portal, I guess that's the risk these days. Usually you're pretty good when you enter the portal and you're going to start somewhere else. Uh, It's going to be a bad year for Oklahoma State. They're not going to do well. They're going to have a, they'll probably have five wins, six wins. I need to take a look at their schedule, but it's going to be a tough year for Mike Gundy and it's going to be his first, first losing season since Oh five, which is crazy. BCB
0: thoughts on the Cowboys.
2: Yeah. I got a lot of thoughts. So uh, first one is I got a buddy of mine that I normally watch college football with on Saturdays He's Oklahoma state alum. And, uh, My buddy named Patrick, and Patrick has a new girlfriend, so I'm happy I won't have to watch Oklahoma State this year as much. (laughs) He's usually busy. This team's got a lot of problems. Uh, They come back, so Alan Bowman's going to be the quarterback. He's on his third stint, where he actually started for Texas Tech in 2018, and for the last two years, he's been riding pine at Michigan. Hasn't been able to get on the field. Now he comes back. He actually has three years of starting experience, though. Um, or at least he was a starter in three different seasons at Texas tech. So we'll see what he has left. Maybe he has been learning under hardball here the last couple of years. And now he's ready to show the big 12 what's up. Uh, But you look at it. I mean, they kind of got hit with an exodus of talent in the transfer portal. Um, I'll give the, uh, I'll give the T here on, I think they lost like two or three running backs as well, too, in the portal. Um, They're kind of a running team. I don't think they have much talent. I wouldn't be surprised if they finish last. There's a lot of disaster potential here. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's a very good chance, actually, that Gundy has to start his own kid at quarterback at some point. So I'm all here for, like, the father-son quarterback duo in college football. Doesn't happen enough. Although we do get it in Colorado this year. So shout out, Sanders. But uh, so the Spencer Sanders story was, essentially, he got in the portal he wanted to go back to Oklahoma state. Gundy told him no. Uh, so Gundy didn't want him back. He gets the old miss. And apparently had a shoulder injury that limited him throughout the spring. And now apparently he's closer to third string than first string. Um, and, but apparently he has a grad transfer. So he may be able to get, he may still play for a different school this year. Uh, we'll see, I guess, as we get closer to August, uh, he, he may be out there for a QB needy team, but Yeah, looking at the schedule, I get – it's really not that hard of a schedule. Their toughest road games, probably Iowa State or Arizona State, uh, from who they draw, but I am not optimistic about their chances.
0: Yeah, only extra thing I'll add is on the flip side of the defense side of the ball, they're only returning two starters with a new defensive coordinator, moving to a 3-3-5, as BCB mentioned. Their away games, not that difficult, but they do draw Kansas State, Kansas at home, Oklahoma at home. So, yeah, going to be a tough year for Oklahoma State. We'll see what happens. Not a lot of high hopes.
2: Yeah, they will. I'll add this, too, as well. They So, they're 115th um, in college football and returning experience. Yeah. So, they're one of the most inexperienced teams. Lose their defensive coordinator for the second straight season. They lost Jim Knowles uh, very good. Great defensive coordinator who's at Ohio State now. Now they're, pl- they've plucked a guy from Division II Gannon College uh, to come in and be the division, uh, the defensive coordinator. Maybe he sticks around. Uh, ironically, their fans have wanted Spencer Sanders gone or benched the last couple of years. Well, now you get your wish. So <laughs> they may be wanting him
0: back. 100% agree. Uh, West Virginia, BCB, initial thoughts.
2: Yeah, I hate the fan base. Um, They got incredibly irritable with uh, uh, a colleague. We'll call him a colleague of mine, K-Ford Ratings, because he said West Virginia was going to win five games last year. Uh, They won five. So he was right. Uh, The people in West Virginia apparently don't understand math very well. Not surprised. I am a little uh, sad, though, because I thought Neil Brown was going to be a great hire for him when it happened. I loved uh, loved him at Troy, and then he comes in here. Hasn't worked out. Uh, they're starting a kid named Garrett Green at quarterback, either him or uh, Nico Marshall. We'll see. They may very well have the worst quarterback in the Big 12 outside of Oklahoma State, starting Gundy's kid, if that's what comes to fruition. They go to Penn State week one, which I guess is technically kind of a rivalry game in those parts. I don't think it's going to go well for them. I, they have the number 14th ranked hardest schedule. They go to TCU, to Oklahoma, and two Baylor. Uh, I think there's a lot of losses on this schedule this year.
0: Yeah. The one thing I noticed right off the bat, like you mentioned, uh, the the one power five team that I've researched so far, haven't named a QB yet. I know they're still in battle. Uh, they do return the entire offense line. That's the one positive. I'll say, but again, just kind of reiterating the defense terrible last year. Um, they haven't had back-to-back losing season in over 40 years, which, I would never have thought that with West Virginia, you know, think they'd have some low points throughout that time frame. but yeah, it's looking about to be able to break that streak right now. We'll see what happens with it. But uh, Larry, any final thoughts with it?
1: Is JT Daniels still in college football? Yeah. He's playing for rice. Sick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to be very good. I have, I have nothing else to add. It's probably Neil Brown's last season there. He's 22 and 25 overall since taking over in 19. And they're they're set up for another five and seven year, if that probably less win total under. I mean, they're projected to be the worst team in the Big 12 with four four new teams coming in, which is a tough spot. I'll say this. I'll eat shit when I'm wrong
2: but I will dance on the grave of people when I'm right. And JT Daniels was absolutely horrific last year. This fan base thought he was going to be a Heisman contender. And that kid can't play football at all.
0: Speaking of teams that used to be good and now kind of on the downfall, I'll kind of wrap it up with our last two. We got Houston here. Uh, Houston schedule is incredibly difficult. Uh, They do have a Texas Tech transfer quarterback, Donovan Smith as their starter this year, but the defense replaces their top five tacklers Top two pass rushers. Schedule doesn't do them any favors. Um, We'll start with Larry. Any just final thoughts on Houston? We don't really expect much out of them.
1: I loved them last year. I was so wrong on them last year, too, but I love Clayton Toon and Tank Dell. I love that team, and they didn't perform well last year. I think I might have thrown a future on Clayton Toon to win the Heisman, and they weren't very good last year. They've lost both of them, and I don't expect them to be very good this year. I do love their head coach, I'm trying to think of his name, Old West Virginia coach, Dana Holgerson. yeah, love Dana Holgerson. And I mean, they every once in a while you do see they get they have power Five talent at Houston. So I expect them. To still be in a rebuild here, but I do, I do expect them to perform in the next couple of years. Uh, this just is not their year. PCB.
2: Yeah, Dana Holgerson going to Houston was one of the more interesting hires to me when it happened. Uh, leaving West Virginia, you go to Houston, got a bunch of money. It, you know, people forget that two years ago in twenty one, they were twelve and two, right? They only lost to Texas Tech that year, and then they lost to Cincinnati um in the uh, the title game the conference title game uh the year Cincinnati went to the playoffs so he's had some success there uh that's been his major season probably bought him some extra time because he may have been on the hot seat I think he's going to get a pass for this year as it's kind of a transition year um they're also 103rd in experience return so it's an uphill battle for him I I wouldn't be surprised if they pull an upset on somebody I do think Holgerson's a good coach I just don't think they really have the horses to compete in the big 12 this year Probably can beat West Virginia, though. Fair
0: enough. Larry, finish us off with BYU, last team. BYU,
1: Keldon Slovis, the USC, uh, probably five-star recruit that went to Pitt, got hurt, and now ends up in Provo. I still, I mean, Provo is still one of the hardest places to play in the country. BYU will play upset to someone. I'm actually surprised Bubs has them at the worst team. Based on the order he's going in, I would guess this is his preseason rankings or someone's preseason rankings. It's, I mean, they have talent. I don't, I'm not a believer in Kelton Slovis. If you're starting for your third team in three years, I don't even know if he started at USC, but... It's going to be tough, but provost is still going to be a tough place to play and they will definitely play upset. They, looks like they have a, they always have very good skilled receivers, probably because I think BCB talked about it last year. They probably have 25, 26 year olds that went on their mission and now they're back and they they're ready to play football now. So they usually have a lot of grown ass men out there. Definitely on the lines. They got some big dogs, but um, it's still going to be a struggle for them, and I'm not a believer in Slovis at all.
0: Yeah, so I'll add to that. The schedule doesn't do them any favors. First year in the Big 12, you know, uh, at Texas, home against Oklahoma. They go at Kansas, at Arkansas, at TCU. Definitely doesn't help them out, especially first year here. Uh, Only extra piece I'll add, a new defensive coordinator, They always have a solid offense, like Larry had mentioned, but I always get nervous about transferring or bringing in a new coordinator, whether it's the offense or defensive side of the ball. So we'll see what happens. BCB, want to wrap us up here?
2: Yeah, I I know going in. So Keaton Slavis had gotten injured at Pitt last year, uh, which didn't work out. And he got in the portal, found a new home here at BYU. Uh, So we'll see. How it works out for him here. I think if you go look at his USC tape, he actually has some really good throws on film. I think out of the four newcomers, they're probably the team that recruits the closest to a power five um, year in and year out. So I think they're actually, from a size standpoint, they're going to be okay. They, they played an incredibly difficult schedule last year. Um, you got to remember, they played Notre Dame, Arkansas, uh, went to Boise State and Stanford, played Baylor, and then went to Oregon as well. So uh, while it is a step up in competition, they've really kind of traditionally scheduled a lot of Pac-12 schools um, and and some, you know, some more physical football teams. So I don't think it's the biggest transition for a lot of them. They also do add a running back, uh, Aiden Robbins, which was a kid that we were riding at UNLV early last year, Uh, comes in 1,100 yard back. He's a big back. He's 6'3", 230, um, and was UNLV's probably their best offensive player last year. So I think they'll have the most success. Like you said, they do have a distinct home field advantage. So um, they get Cincinnati at home. I think they can win that one. And then they have Oklahoma at home late in the year. I could see them playing, uh, playing spoiler in that game. And uh, maybe, maybe ruining their season, but I could I could see Keaton Slavis, you know, being an all conference type quarterback this year, if he stays healthy. We'll
0: see. Let's finish it up. We want to keep these episodes to an hour piece for you guys. Larry starts off with your championship game and who's going to win the conference. Uh, we're going Texas, Texas
1: Tech, and taking Texas Tech over Texas. Interesting, uh, to say the least. BCB.
2: All right. So I don't know that I'm going to get back on the Baylor train again this year. I um, do expect them to play well. Don't know that they'll play that well. Um, I'm gonna go. Man, that's tough. All right, I'm gonna go. Give me Kansas State and Texas Tech, and we'll go. We'll go two two outside. You know, two outside long shots here. See what happens. Um, I'm just. I think there's still still value in fading Texas at this point.
0: And who's your pick to win it?
2: I gotta go Texas Tech. So give me the Red Raiders. Uh, I was high on them gotta gotta ride your horses here i do it bubs
0: finish us up we're gonna go texas versus kansas in the championship i love the offense of kansas i love the overall uh, team of texas and you know what texas is back shout out pam aldonado texas is winning the big 12 folks thanks again for listening to big 12 we'll be back again here shortly with our next power five conference appreciate your time